Well, welcome again. Thank you, Denise and Brenda and uh, all of our music folks and everyone making worship possible this morning. It's great to have you in God's house. We continue our series in Ephesians entitled Victorious Living. And this morning we are in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 12 through 22. And we're thinking about, reflecting on one in Christ. Paul writes this. Remember that at that time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel, and foreigners to the covenants of the promise, without hope, without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away have been brought near to the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, and has made the two one, and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility, by abolishing in his flesh the law and its commandments and regulations." His purpose was to create in himself one new man out of two, thus making peace, and in this one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross by which he put to death hostility. He came and preached peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were near, for through him we both have access to the Father by one spirit. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and aliens, but fellow citizens with God's people and members of God's household built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and to become one holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you two are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his Holy Spirit. May the Lord bless his word to our hearts and minds this morning. Well, as I said, we're looking at one in Christ as we continue Paul's book, uh, one of the most victorious, some people think the most victorious of all Paul's epistles, his letters to the church at Ephesus. Heard this story of this man who was stranded on a desert island for some years, and when he was finally rescued by this ship, they noticed that on the island, even though there was one person, there were three buildings. And so they couldn't help but ask him, what are the three buildings? He said, well, the one is my house and the other is the church. And they said, well, what's the other building? He said, that's the church I used to go to. <laughs> yeah, so... Interesting. Well, you know, all those things still persist today. But it's good to know that in Paul's time, some of those themes were themes that Paul addressed too. And this morning he looks at one in Christ. And I've said that in the book of Ephesians, Paul uses in, in Managing Transition, there's this great book. And uh, it uh, says in, in business management, some of the things we need to go through transition is we need a, we need a, we need a purpose and we need a picture, we need a visual and we need a plan, and we all need a part to play. And uh, I said, Paul has all those in the book of Ephesians. And he adds, we also have the power in Christ through the Holy Spirit to accomplish those things. But what I would say is, you know, the, the purpose there is God is reconciling the world. And Paul mentions purpose in here. But then Paul gives us a picture. In fact, Paul gives in this scripture passage three pictures, three images that I think are powerful and helpful and instructive. And those three images are of a bridge a family and a foundation, a bridge, a family and a foundation. And so I wanna think about that this morning in our own lives, in our church family and the church around the world. And the first is a, is a bridge. Uh, Christ to the cross has brought those who are far to near. God has brought us together. And listen to what he says, and I'm just gonna pick up the highlights. He says, but now in Christ, you who were once far away have been brought near to the blood of Christ. He himself is our peace, who has made the two one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility. His purpose was to create in himself one new person out of two, which is the church 
through the peace, through making peace, and his body to reconcile through the cross all the hostilities, to be a bridge from far to near. Man, it's just such powerful words. We think of a peace, which isn't just the absence of violence. It's peace that's an inner peace, peace for our soul, peace both vertically with God and horizontally with others. And sometimes we have peace with God. We forget about peace with our, with our neighbors, those in the church and those outside the church, the church around the world. When Paul is saying Christ somehow on the cross is a bridge for us. We don't understand all of this, but God in Christ, through Christ, has reconciled both God's justice and God's love, and we are offered God's grace and forgiveness in a in a powerful, powerful way. I love the story of these two farmers back in the day. And uh, these two farmers, even though they were both farmers, had a great deal of enmity and dislike for each other. And there was a ravine that separated the two farms. And even though there was a ravine that separated the two farms, the dislike was so great between these two farmers that they built a wooden fence on both sides of the ravine to separate each other. Well, as time went on, and sometimes God works, the daughter of one farmer and the son of the other farmer fell in love. And in the middle of the night, they met and tore down the fence and made a bridge. And I think that's a beautiful picture of how God works through Christ and the cross. That God has taken some of the dividing wall of hostility and has made a, a bridge, a pathway that reconciles us through God's grace. Are you open to that bridge of the cross that God invites all of us, no matter where we are or how far away we feel from God, to find Christ's love and grace in a new and powerful way. And so the bridge. And then the family, which I which love. And Paul writes this about the family. He says, consequently, you're no longer foreigners and aliens, but fellow citizens with God's people and members of God's household or God's family. Man, don't you like that? Family. And I love this story from the Gospel of Matthew, recorded other places. But the centurion, Roman centurion, who was a, was a commander of 100 soldiers, uh, well-respected in the Roman army. And remember that they were the oppressors of the Jews, of the Israelites. And so uh, he comes to Jesus as a total outsider. And he cares about his servant. Uh, and his servant is sick, and he comes to Jesus and is seeking faith and is seeking healing. He's heard about Jesus and from the outside, not from the inside, so to speak. And so he comes to Jesus and asks Jesus to heal his, his servant. And Jesus kind of questions it a little bit just to see how sincere he is and find out that he really cares about this servant and wants him to be healed. And the centurion feels like he's sick unto death. And then Jesus says, that I'll, I'll come and visit. And the centurion, in a moment of faith, says, you don't need to come. All you need to do is to speak the word, and my servant will be healed. And Jesus marvels at his faith and says, see this outsider Look at his faith. We could all learn from his faith. And in that moment, the servant is healed. He was an outsider, but part of the, of the family of faith. Now, I know sometimes in the church even, surprisingly enough, we focus on the things that divide us and make us different rather than the things that unite us. And Paul would say, you know, there are things that divide us, okay? But the thing that should unite us is faith in Christ. Christ is the center of our worship. Christ is the center of God's word to our hearts and lives. And just like regular families, I don't know if your family is anything like mine, but do any of your families agree on everything? Because my family doesn't. 
Growing up, one of the most entertaining times was Thanksgiving dinner and Christmas dinner, and we would get families together for Thanksgiving, Christmas, and dinner. And I'm telling you, we disagree about everything from religion to philosophy to, God knows, politics, and everything in between. But the one thing we could agree on was the Pittsburgh Steelers. <laughs> We're a Pennsylvania fam, so it was like, man, when things got hot, it was like, how about those Steelers? So uh, I don't know what unites me, but it should be faith in Christ. It's okay, you know, but when things were down, family is family. You're there for each other. I think Paul would encourage us and challenge us to do exactly that as the family of faith. It's okay. You don't need to agree on everything. That'd be pretty boring, frankly, okay? But be respectful. Be a respectful listener and say respectfully disagree on that. But here's what we do agree on, that Christ is the center of our family of faith. Christ makes all things possible, reconciles us to God. So faith is, is a bridge from far to near. Faith makes us family in Christ. And finally, faith is the foundation in Christ. And I love Paul's words. And I know that you recognize this because every day when you walk into church, it's right on the pillar of that new addition there. Ephesians 2.20, which is uh, this. Built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, these words, with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. And Paul goes on. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by the Holy Spirit. Well, I'm just going to say that I agree with the choice of that on the cornerstone out there, that that is so important. And the cornerstone is key to the foundation, which is key to the whole building rising up to be uh, plumb, to uh, be built as high as possible. And so Paul is saying that foundation is so, so critical. And the only true foundation, the only true solid foundation is faith in Jesus Christ. Wow. So powerful. I often think about the church as sort of a, this live, Paul says it's a living cathedral, which I love. I used to take youth groups to the Cathedral of St. Paul the Divine. I don't know if you've ever been there in New York City. And it was a little closer where the churches than we are here. But uh, we'd go to this program called Night Watch they had back in the day. And it was a, it was a great program where we'd, we'd go there and we'd sing songs and we had this late night service tour, this immense cathedral and one of the most impressive in all the United States. And then we, in the morning, we'd do like a service, we'd have a song time and a service project. But one of the things we did was to tour this cathedral. And it's stone, it's um, right in Harlem. And they decided to build this beautiful uh, cathedral in the middle of Harlem to minister, not just to the nation, but specifically to make a, something great happen in Harlem there, uh, which has its challenges. And, and one of the things they decided to do was was to try to employ as many people as possible locally, right? Even though it was very, very technical to the thing to build this immense cathedral. And so we were, we were touring this uh, cathedral, and it's, it was, uh, I don't know if it's completed to this day, but it was like a 100-year project. But it was built enough that they could have services in it. It's still bright, and it's still doing some things on it. But as we toured, uh, we stopped for the stonemasons, which is always my fascinating. I mean, I love stonemasons. I don't care whether it's the pyramids of Egypt to the Mayan temples. I mean, I, cathedrals in Europe, I'm crazy about the stone work and always the engineering and the artistry all coming together. And so we're talking to this um, stonemason. And he was an African-American gentleman from the neighborhood of Harlem. And uh, 
one of the project directors said, well, one of the things we tried to do was we don't really have a lot of stone masons in the United States, was we brought in stone uh, carvers and masons from Europe, who were so ancient sort of uh, tradition and um, profession. And, and we had them train the locals and work alongside them. And so this man was talking, and he was, uh, he was elderly, I'm going to say, uh, older gentleman. I'm going to say elderly. He's an older gentleman and had gray hair. And he was so proud of the work he was doing. He was, he was chiseling on this, this stone. And he said, as he just had a chance to speak, he just said that uh, he was so great to be trained. He was so proud that this cathedral, even though that he would not live to see its completion, that he was so delighted to be part of it and that he had the opportunity to train his son to be a stonemason and that he would probably see the completion of the Cathedral of St. John Divine. And I just thought, wow, what a powerful, powerful image of the church itself. That's what we should be doing, that we're trained to be part of this living foundation that God is building, and we should be training our sons and daughters in the faith that they too continue to build this immense cathedral of faith that goes back in time and goes forward into the future. How are you at being part of that foundation of faith, of building it up and training younger people, your sons, your daughters, maybe your sort of adopted mentoring sons and daughters to be part of the family of faith, part of this living cathedral that Paul points to. How powerful, how beautiful is all of that? A bridge, a family, and a foundation. I hope you'll reflect on, on those images of of the family of faith, of the cathedral, of the church, to think about being one in Christ because Paul would challenge us this morning to do exactly that. I'm gonna close with a story that I love. It's a true story about the Eddystone Lighthouse. My mom is touring the lighthouses of Maine, my mom and my sister right now. And I'm always fascinated by lighthouses. I love the ocean. I love uh, being out and boating and sailing and lighthouses and all that, but uh, very historic. And uh, in England, in the English Channel, near Cornwall, England, there's a very famous lighthouse called the Eddystone Lighthouse. A couple hundred years ago, they wanted to put this lighthouse on this huge rock in the middle of the channel that saw all kinds of, and there's lots of rocks around there, and so they needed the lighthouse back then before GPS to navigate, and you still to this day have a lighthouse there. And so they put this lighthouse out in the ocean quite a ways, out in the English Channel quite a ways, and uh, an, an architect uh, by the name of Wynn Stanley took on the commission. He was very full of himself. <laughs> As an architect... And so he built this stone lighthouse. It was magnificent. And uh, on the lighthouse, when he was done, he had engraved, blow, O winds, blow, rise, O oceans, rise, and try my work. And in a big storm, he would get beforehand, boat out there to this lighthouse. There's no, you know, it's in the middle of the water. It's a big rock. You had to get out there ahead of time, and he'd stand up there in the light, and he'd shout that at the ocean, you know. And then one day a huge storm came and took the whole lighthouse at him and demolished it, and he drowned in that effort. And, and then that lighthouse wasn't rebuilt for a while. Then a man by the name of Rudyard came along, and uh, he decided to build a, a wooden lighthouse up there, and uh, he did his best to build this lighthouse on this rock. And uh, it lasted for a while too, but then 
the candle, which was, which was a fire by that time with crystal out there. And so it caught fire in a storm and burned and it was demolished. And again, stood empty for a while. And then by a man, a man architect by the name of Smeaton came along. And Smeaton was a, was a great architect too, but he built a stone uh, lighthouse and he decided what he needed to do for the storms was to anchor it in a very innovative, innovative way to the rock itself so that the rock itself was the foundation of that lighthouse. And he anchored it into that immense rock. And uh, and then he built the lighthouse. And then at the bottom, when he was done, he put these words, except it be built on the foundation of Christ, it will not last from here. And up at the top where the light was, he put Lousdale, light of God. And it stands to this very day. Because he knew it wasn't just the structure and the engineering innovation he was bringing, but the faith in Christ. And as an image of who we could be and who we could depend on, the only one that we could depend on in the storms of life. Friends, storms will come. Winds of adversity and challenge will come. Disagreements, what have you. But Paul would remind us, just like he did the church in Ephesus, there's one bridge to reconciliation with God through Christ alone, that God welcomes us and reconciles us through the grace of Jesus Christ and the work of the cross. And we are to become a family, one family. Yes, we have differences, but we should be united in one in Christ through faith in Jesus Christ as the most important thing and welcome people of different races and places outside of our individual church family as part of the one church family. And then finally, and most importantly, that whatever we build should be built on the foundation of Jesus Christ because only that which is built on Christ will last, just like that lighthouse. And if we do that, we will be a living church, a living cathedral being built on the foundation of Christ that will go from one generation to the next and the light will always shine. We join me in prayer. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for Paul's images that come down through history and words that echo to our hearts and minds today. Lord, help us to find that we are indeed one in Christ, to recognize you and to accept you as the bridge to your reconciliation, to your arms of grace to the cross, and that we're part of a family that is diverse, that is worldwide in different races and places, languages and people, but we are one in Christ and that we are being built into a living cathedral that is alive and will last forevermore from one generation to another and that we'll all give glory to you. We pray this in the name of Christ Jesus, our Lord, and all God's people said, amen.